0: Welcome to the Psych and Business podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce you today to my guest, a clinical psychologist who is also a retired federal prison warden with expertise in organizational health and cultural transformation. Her mission is to bring self-awareness, core values, and compassion to high-stakes, high-impact environments. She's, of course, Dr. Tamra Lin. Dr. Lin was an unusual fixture in the criminal justice world. Upon her retirement, she was one of only four psychologists appointed to the position of warden in the federal prison system and was one of very few female wardens. She led her institution through the COVID-19 pandemic by emphasizing creative problem solving and building the resilience of staff and inmates in the face of extreme stress. She exudes empathy, optimism, courage, and hope for a better future. Dr. Lin is an elected member of the Board of Directors of the American Psychological Association, the world's largest membership organization for psychologists. She's one of fewer than 50 psychologists currently certified by the American Board of Psych- Professional Psychology as a specialist in organizational and business consulting psychology. She's also certified by the International Coaching Federation as an associate certified coach. Dr. Lynn graduated with honors from Harvard Radcliffe Colleges, where she majored in sociology and Afro-American studies. She earned her master's and doctorate degrees in psychology at the University of Michigan, one of the nation's top psychology programs. Dr. Lynn, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind introduction.
0: Well, this is such a great accomplishment. I am so interested to to jump into the conversation with you. And so I'm just gonna do do that right away. I, I am fascinated by the fact that you, were, you are a psychologist and were also a federal prisons warden. So I usually ask people, how did you get into the world of business? But in this case, how did you get into the business of, of the federal prisons and to end up as a warden too?
1: Well, that was not my original plan. I actually <sighs> started my clinical training expecting that I would uh, specialize in child and family work. And I began my training and was able to see relatively early on that I am not enough of a kid at heart to do really good play therapy. I realized <laughs> that working with young kids was not going to be uh, the best for them or for me. Mm-hmm. And I started to explore other specialties. And I mm-hmm. happened to have professors who were doing forensic work at the time and i found myself doing some psychological assessments for the wayne county court system this would be detroit michigan when a judge would want to know what a young offender needed in terms of services and supports i would go to detention centers around detroit and interview and assess these kids. And Mm -hmm. I became really interested in the circumstances that might lead them to be in front of a judge and the circumstances that they might be going back to once they were discharged from the facility. Uh, But when I did those assessments and handed in my report, I did not know what ended up happening to the kids. And it felt very unresolved for me. And I realized what I wanted to do was to work with people in the criminal justice system at various stages of their experience from the beginning of their uh, experience with the system, the assessment phase, the diagnostic phase, but also be involved in the treatment and in the uh, preparation to return home. So Mm -hmm. I actually, drew from school for a year and took a second clinical internship at a state psychiatric prison in Michigan because I wanted to do the work and see if it was a good fit. And it turned out that it was. It turned out that Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the challenges of the clinical work and of the setting. I had terrific supervision and it really gave me a sense that what I was doing as a psychologist was making a difference for not only the people who were uh, in my care, but also to the families and communities that they would return to once they had uh, finished their their commitments. So um, it was it was not a direct path into corrections, uh, but once I found it, I stayed in it for over 20 years, and then during the course of that time, did clinical work in several federal prisons, working with men, women, at every security level, uh, supporting staff as well, uh, because it mm-hmm. is this very, very demanding work. And mm-hmm. there reached a point where I wanted to explore my interests in how these little Uh, systems Systems. ran? And how do you keep the lights on? And how do you make Mm. sure that you are providing health care to thousands of people? How are you going to keep uh, the uh, parking lot paved? And how do you manage security threats inside? Every aspect of how institutions ran was interesting to me. And I happened Mm -hmm. to work other wardens who gave me opportunities that were not typical of psychologists in that system to become responsible for other Mm -hmm. areas. So I uh, eventually transitioned out of direct clinical work and moved into executive roles. Uh, I was an associate warden at two facilities where I helped the warden to supervise staff and inmates and to, to run the facility. There was a period of time when I stepped out of the field and went Mm -hmm. to our central office in D.C. and was responsible for psychology services nationwide within the agency. And that uh, was a terrific experience until I really missed the field and I asked to go back and work with staff and inmates directly again, which is how I landed a warden role. So... I, I've been able to do many things within one agency, and uh, it's been a really terrific experience.
0: That is that is such a, a fascinating story, and your journey is so interesting to see. You know how you started off with clinical, uh, and, and even did clinical in in the prison systems, but moved to more administrative leadership and management things. I'm wondering what was that transition like for you? Because I've talked so many times about how. It's so challenging when people go from doing clinical work or uh, you know engineering or accounting or whatever technical job that you do to doing something that's more of leadership administrative what was that like for you in in the prison system
1: it was challenging for a few reasons Um, first i am a psychologist in a system Mm -hmm. that is not always comfortable with the input of psychologists or the presence of psychologists. It can Mm -hmm. make people uh, a bit uh, uncomfortable. And (laughs) one of my challenges was to uh, prove my value in those settings, uh, to earn Mm -hmm. their trust, to um, maintain my credibility, uh, Mm -hmm. not having come initially from a security background. So I had to really uh, gain like I said trust and credibility as I went along um, for those yeah, same Yeah, how, how did you reasons. do that? Yeah. How did you
0: how did you earn I, I, trust and credibility in an environment where that seems like it, it wouldn't be as receptive to psychological thoughts and and, and uh, input.
1: Yeah. So the federal prison system is a little different than most state and local systems in that we are all correctional workers first and mm-hmm. we train that way from day one. So I earn the trust by doing the work that mm-hmm. correctional officers did, that food service workers did, that health service mm-hmm. workers did. We we have a common experience in terms of sharing risk sharing responsibility. Um, We we all respond to emergencies. We all Mm -hmm. address security threats in addition to doing whatever our specialty work may be. So uh, I was shoulder to shoulder with people in emergency situations who I later was at a conference table with and having to solve a problem or or Mm -hmm. address a need. So um, you 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 earn the trust and credibility by doing the work and being willing to to share uh, the risk and the responsibility. I would say though that being a psychologist and also being a woman in those environments was was challenging uh, because Mm -hmm. in in many of those settings um, women were. perhaps in areas of the institution that uh, were outside of the secure perimeter and where inmates mm-hmm. were uh, less likely to frequent. So um, you, you have to be really good about maintaining personal boundaries and maintaining professionalism, and um, that will get tested uh, mm-hmm. over time. You you uh, just have to do the right thing when no one's looking.
0: That seems like a, a very stressful job, especially you know doing it as a woman. I'm sure in those environments where it's, it's very male dominated, you know I, I'm interested in hearing more about when you became a warden, what that transition was like for you, especially you know right on the heels of COVID coming up and then having to try to work in that environment. How, how did you navigate that?
1: Hmm. Well, I had ideas about transitioning into the warden role and bringing lots of resources to improve staff wellness and employee engagement and I wanted to improve training and I wanted to Um, encourage people to be more psychologically minded. And I had those plans with no idea that the pandemic was approaching. I arrived in my new role in March of 2020, just as we were beginning to realize that we had an emergency on our hands. And it turns out that all of those goals were still relevant and perhaps even more relevant than during non-emergency situations. Hmm. So it was a period of great uncertainty. We, we literally did not understand quite what we were dealing with in terms of how COVID um, was transmitted, how it was treated, what our precautions needed to be, and we had to pr- learn about that as we went along. One of my Gifts, I think, is that I am comfortable with uncertainty. <laughs> I I don't I don't mind not knowing exactly what to do. And that's a
0: great gift to have.
1: <laughs> there, there's a concept in uh, in psychology called learning agility, and learning agility mm-hmm. is the shorthand for it. Is this idea of uh, knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. Yeah. being able to draw on past experience mm-hmm. and knowledge and be able to apply it to novel situations and people yeah, high comfortable with the uncomfortable yes 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 so those of us who are high in learning agility are comfortable in novel situations sometimes we even seek them Uh, And that, I think, got me through my correctional career, the novelty of the work, Mm -hmm. every day being different. That was something that suited me and my personality really well. My challenge as the warden was to acknowledge other people's uncertainties, hesitations, fears, without appearing to be dismissive of them, because I shared them. Mm -hmm. but I also was comfortable finding solutions to problems as we went along. So there is a balance as the leader between wanting to acknowledge legitimate worries and fears, but not Mm -hmm. letting it keep people from finding solutions to unusual problems and uh, getting through a crisis, right? So uh, I I worked really hard to build people's confidence that they did have the knowledge and the resources to come up with novel solutions to problems. And also this idea that we may try something, we may or may not find that it works, but it will help Mm -hmm. us to make the next decision and uh, Mm -hmm. that no experience is wasted that we're everything is a learning experience to apply to the next uh next unknown yeah
0: i love i love that approach you know know, the trial and error and everything you learn from everything right nothing is wasted you know in your in the the intro i read that you know one of the things that you did was was work to build resilience within the staff in the inmates, how do you how do you do that in the inmates? I mean, I can understand the staff, but how did you accomplish that with the with the inmates?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I interacted with inmates a great deal, um, making mm-hmm. rounds, being at meals. Um, they had access to me, could ask me questions, could talk about concerns. Um, I was, I tried to be quite accessible. And mm-hmm. one of the things you learn in corrections is that you may not feel like you are particularly noticeable or high profile, but people are observing you all the time and looking mm-hmm. to see how you handle situations, how you carry yourself, how you speak to others? And in my case, I took that very seriously and I did my best. Mm. I can't say that I was always successful, but I did my best to model stability, especially emotional stability, uh, Mm. calm, uh, Mm. maintaining respect for others, uh, being openness to feedback whether it was positive or negative, and Mm -hmm. not taking things terribly personally if somebody was unhappy with a decision I made or a a choice Mm -hmm. that I made. So I I received feedback from folks, uh, both on staff and in the inmate population, uh, that having a steady presence helps to establish a norm that that there is calm and that things are being uh, handled to the best of our ability. And um, it, it helps to set a tone that other people mm-hmm. will follow. So I try to use myself to model uh, calm and resilience, patience, and again, uh, I can't say that I was always successful, but i i I tried to be more successful. Well,
0: I can say to that I know I know you personally and and I know people who know you, and one of the things that we all agree on is that you are the calmest person that we know. you know, and we you are the person that we would all love to have in a crisis when we're losing our heads because you are absolutely calm. So I think that that you were able to embody that really well. So I can agree with that. I'm also interested in in hearing a little bit about, um, you know, the the what you were able to bring from your psychological training and experience that helped you in this work. I know we've talked about resilience, we've talked about staying calm and communicating, all those things, those psychological factors. But what do you think from your training as a psychologist was most helpful to you?
1: Yes, one piece of my training that I believe was very helpful is this idea that as psychological scientists, Mm -hmm. we are open to information. In fact, we are always looking for information in case it disputes what we think we already understand. (laughs) So I I believe that being open to lots of streams of information and Mm -hmm. being able to sift through information and try to learn from what's available is an important approach to leadership, to crisis management, uh, to being responsible for others. If we are always focused only on what we think we already know, mm-hmm. we limit our exposure to new information that might help us, right? Mm-hmm. One flip side of that is that as scientists, we sometimes can get caught up in seeking more and more information before we make a decision or come to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I had to challenge myself on during the course of my career is being able to come to a point where I was comfortable making a decision and acting what I on what I knew at the time mm-hmm. not getting caught in analysis paralysis because mm-hmm. for us as psychologists the fun is the exploration and the learning of new things and finding new information um, mm-hmm. but when you have other people responsible for you or when you're in an emergency there does need to be a point where you pick pick a lane <laughs> mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and Okay. Make
0: a decision, yeah,
1: and, and make a decision, and uh, mm-hmm. that's that's the balance that I had to come to in my career. I would also say that over the course of my career, I discovered what's known as positive psychology, and mm-hmm. I learned about mindfulness practices that really helped ground me when I was finding uh, my environment too stimulating or when I needed to ground myself. Uh, mm-hmm. And I did my best to share those practices with other people that I worked with. Yeah. Things like gratitude practices were really important because it's easy to get focused on the challenges and yeah. what you may not feel is going well, but it's important to appreciate what uh, what is going well and uh, the things that are supporting us in our journey so yeah staying as balanced is yeah
0: that's that's a really great way of, of staying balanced i like that and, and sounds like so that was a, that was a, a really great career and i know that you retired from that but you are doing consulting and coaching now and you have your own consulting company called high ready coaching and consulting why that name what, what's the significance of that name
1: oh thank you for asking me that so having been in law enforcement for as long as I have, my mission now is to support people who are in fields like law enforcement that are high intensity, high demand, and really help them thrive in those settings while also Mm -hmm. maintaining their relationships with others, the values that brought them to their work and uh, really helping them to uh, feed their whole person while they're Mm -hmm. in this very demanding work. People in law enforcement and public safety will recognize the term high ready. It's the term that refers to a position that you take when you are on the firing line Mm -hmm. and you are armed and you are preparing to meet a threat, but you don't quite know where the threat is coming from. Mm. When you're in high ready, you are positioned such that you, you are most ready to meet your target. You have your hands at your chest, you're ready to take aim, and when you see your threat, you're able to extend your arms and meet your target. Uh, High ready is the optimal preparation for any crisis or emergency Mm -hmm. that you might face. And I wanted to be able to convey that coaching and consultation can help people to be better prepared for the uh, challenges that they will ultimately face. uh, And that preparation is key to success.
0: Yeah, I I love that. I love that explanation. And thank you for sharing that, that insight into the world of law enforcement. I think that's what's really fantastic to be able to understand a little bit of that and especially nowadays i know there's a lot going on in law enforcement and it's just i think it's it's such a great mission that you have to try to you know help in that arena and, and help with law enforcement uh and, and things like that um to tammy i want to be respectful of time so i'm going to ask you know with all the great things that you're doing how do people get a hold of you how do they contact you or follow you or what's what's the best way to to keep to get a hold of you
1: Sure, sure. So um, I can be found at highreadycoaching.com. I'm also available on LinkedIn under mm-hmm. High Ready Coaching and also under Tamara Lynn. And I'm eager to talk with people about how they, as individuals or as teams, can really bring values and psychological mindedness to their operations to really help not only uh, people to be effective and productive, but also to protect their own wellness as they do demanding work of any kind. Uh, So Mm -hmm. there are both Mm -hmm. internal and external benefits from uh, an approach that really takes into account how people learn and how people manage emotions uh, Under high stress situations.
0: Yeah, that's such a great. I mean, that's such a great um, mission, and I think even even though your focus is law enforcement, I you know businesses are high stress can be very high stress as well. So uh, it seeks your your work applying broadly across many different areas. Um, I'm going to ask you, uh, Tammy, for a tip. I always ask everybody who comes on the show for a tip because we have we have you all on here, the experts. So. What tip would you give to you know people out there, either in business or law enforcement in this current environment that everybody's in?
1: My tip would be that if you're able to tolerate some uncertainty, it really mm-hmm. will open you up to options and possibilities that were close to you before. So I'd encourage people not to fear uncertainty, not to feel that being uncertain is a failing or uh, mm-hmm. an inadequacy, but that uncertainty just tells us that there's more that we need to know or more that we need to learn and uh, it's an opportunity rather than anything to Uh, Be ashamed of or Mm. avoid. I would lean into the uncertainty because that's where you discover new things.
0: That is, I love that. That is, that is such good advice. I know it's it'd be hard for a lot of people, myself included, to lean into the uncertainty, right? Lean into that gray. Uh, A lot of people are very black and white. We like to know for certain what is or isn't, and so. But your your advice is really on point, right? When you lean into the gray, that's where growth happens. That's where you're forced to expand yourself and to learn and grow. So that's 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 really sage advice. I really think that's that's fantastic.
1: Thank you. Well, you know, leaning into uncertainty also forces us to connect with other people who may be able to mm-hmm. bring some clarity. And if we try to do the really hard work alone, we're mm-hmm. we're certain to limit our view. But if if we lean into the help that other people can provide and the support that they can give, that is uh, always a better option.
0: Absolutely. I, I think that's fantastic advice. And thank you so much for that advice. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Tammy. It's been such, such a pleasure to have you on the show. We'll have to have you come back. These are always so short. You know, I'd love to hear some stories from your time as a warden. I'm sure you have many interesting ones to share.
1: It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. And to all our listeners, thanks for listening. We hope to see you next time. Bye. Bye.